This is Kim Meyer, host of Choose to Rise. Thanks for listening to the following broadcast on Public House Media. Welcome back to a brand new edition of Caught Listening. Christian Imel here with you, broadcasting as always as part of the Public House Media Network. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, of course, Spreaker.com, Stitcher.com, now on Amazon Podcasts as well, uh, and of course, PublicHouseMedia.org. We are into the month of October, and for those of you who have been paying attention, we have woken up in a new world of baseball. I understand playoffs are still happening, but... For the first time, at least in my lifetime, or at least that I can remember, uh, there is no professional baseball agreements between what is known as minor league baseball and major league baseball. It is a very different time. This is going to be a very interesting offseason for all non-major league baseball teams. And for some, this is potentially a, a, a changing of the guard or whatever you may want to call it. It is a new era of baseball and potentially an era of one baseball. What does that mean? Where does that come from? Well, to help us talk a little bit about it is the executive editor of Baseball America. He is J.J. Cooper, who has uh, a a tremendous in-depth article, about as in-depth as you can be without giving away the secret sauce uh, in September's edition of Baseball America about one baseball. J.J., thank you so much for the time in in joining us to talk about this. Oh, happy to be here. So let's let's start right there because one baseball. Um, some people who have been in the sport and have been covering it since Rob Manfred, Commissioner of Major League Baseball, took over a few years ago, have heard it before. It may have gotten swept under the rug, but with the now expiration of the PBA between minor league baseball and uh, Major League Baseball, it seems as though steps towards one baseball are are being made. If you could, kind of in a nutshell, what is One Baseball? What is the vision of One Baseball based on your understanding? Sure. So you're, you're absolutely right. When Rob Manfred became commissioner of Major League Baseball, he talked in some significant detail about this idea of One Baseball. The idea, it, the, the core, I guess, statement of that is, is that Major League Baseball should be the driving force for baseball at all at, at multiple levels, I shouldn't say all, but multiple levels in the U.S., in North America, and in some ways, you look at World Baseball Classic and other things like that around the world, um, because it is basically the highest level of baseball. You know, no disrespect to Japan or anywhere else, but the highest level of baseball uh, around the world. Well, at the time they talked about it, though, back in 1516, it was kind of more this overarching concept. And he didn't really talk about professional baseball much in that. And and that's kind of understandable looking at it in hindsight, because at that time, the agreement between Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball, Minor League Baseball separate entity, you know, based, you know, headquarters in St. Petersburg, Florida, had five years to go. And so he didn't really talk about that much. He didn't talk about the idea of Major League Baseball having closer ties to independent leagues, you know, either. Mm-hmm. All of that was kind of not part of the one baseball concept that he talked about. Well, well yeah, the concept has kind of remained out there, but he hasn't talked about it a lot. And because, understandably, not there's, there have been items that you could look at and say that's part of the one baseball idea for Major League Baseball. I would say that the Little League 
game that they play in Williamsport is an example of Major League Baseball, you know, trying to have a, a, a bigger role in other parts of the sport. Little League Baseball obviously being, you know, getting mm-hmm. young kids involved in baseball. If you look at um, the way that, that basically USA Baseball uh, has tried to kind of add these prospect development pipeline events to kind of take control more of, of providing opportunities for top elite prospects to develop. That's kind of a one baseball thing. So these were all going on, but the idea of one baseball kind of had, I'd say, shifted to the back burner. Well, here you get to 2020, the most unusual year that any of us have probably ever dealt with, and and one baseball has come back to the front burner. And the reason for that is, is that Major League Baseball, you know, we reported out last year, laid out a plan. They wanted to reorganize the minor leagues. The professional baseball agreement, as you said, between minor league baseball and major league baseball expired September 30th. But in the lead up to that, in the negotiations that were going on, they made it clear that they wanted to reorganize the minors. There were going to be less levels of the affiliated minor leagues. But the other thing that was going on at the same time was also Major League Baseball has developed closer ties with independent baseball, which they have already announced now that the Atlantic League, the American Association of the Frontier League, are partners. They are what I would, it's kind of wordy, but the best I come up so far is that they're professional partner leagues. They're not independent anymore. They're professional partner leagues with Major League Baseball. Well, that's significant because now you're saying instead of it being Major League Baseball over here and Minor League Baseball over here and Independent Baseball over here, Major League Baseball has already developed ties with Independent Baseball. And the other thing that we know is going to happen, however this works out, Major League Baseball is going to take over the running of Minor League Baseball. At this point, whether they impose a system and invite teams to join or there's a negotiated agreement, we can comfortably say there's not going to be minor league baseball St. Petersburg. There's going to be minor league baseball, whatever it is, that is going to be run as far as operations, scheduling, and probably as far as selling of, you know, national advertising, marketing, and all that, run by major league baseball. So all of a sudden, Instead of it being you have this and this and this, you have Major League Baseball running professional baseball to a large extent in the U.S. And that's a way that one baseball has become much closer to Rob Manfred's professed vision from 2015 because now Major League Baseball is going to be driving all these different aspects of professional baseball. And it's so interesting, too, because you you look at it as how, quote-unquote, separate these, or, these these entities were, even though, yes, minor league baseball had its affiliations with major league baseball, the partnership that was signed between the Atlantic League and major league baseball in 2018 for experimental rules started to see this shift almost. And a lot of it back then could probably have been seen as, well, this is how you bypass the players association so that you can do these things to baseball, but to, to the game of it from, from an on-field standpoint. But now with the announcements last week of, the Frontier League, the Atlantic League, and, and the American Association as partner leagues, you're starting to see Major League Baseball, as you said, put more control over how professional baseball looks throughout the country and throughout the world potentially as well. And we can get into the whole you know 
PBA and then the negotiations between the National Association and, and Major League Baseball, but I feel like that's a topic for a whole month of potential shows um, with, with, with everything going on there. But as, as you see it, when, when the announcement came out last week of the Atlantic League first and then the, the American and the uh, Frontier Leagues as professional partner leagues, what was your first reaction? Because for some people, I think outside of it, it was, okay, this is kind of cool. Maybe it means more money for those leagues. Maybe it means more Major League Baseball, just more control. For some, I think with a journalistic mind, myself included, it was, this is the start of one baseball. What was your initial reaction when you saw the, the, the announcement last week? Okay, uh, from my personal perspective, there was a little bit of um, relief because, you know, as you mentioned, I had speculated that this was going to happen, you know, that I was hearing that this was likely to happen in reporting leading up to this. So that was confirmation of things I'd been hearing. So that was good from that personal standpoint. <laughs> but bigger picture, um, you know, self doubt selfish things. But bigger picture, this means I, I can't divorce this from the significance of it. And I say that because I, I've been at Baseball America for 18 years now. Um, and one of my first jobs at Baseball America was covering the independent leagues. And I love, have loved, have followed independent baseball for a very long time. And as part of that, you get kind of immersed in understanding the, the tensions, the friction that has long existed between minor league baseball and independent baseball. Mm-hmm. And that goes back. I mean, it, the thing that people for, you know, understandably, like this is a long time ago now and you had to really be paying attention to it. But before 1993, independents were teams that were operating within affiliated baseball but didn't have a player development contract. You know, you go back to the, even the 1980s and you had teams that were operating that they had to go find their own players, pay their own players, but then they would compete against affiliated minor league teams. I mean, you have up to the 1990, you know, the new PBA 1990 for the 91 season, you had the ability for these independent teams to draft during the major league baseball draft. So you, there was this time where independent baseball and affiliated minor league baseball were kind of one in the same. Um, And then after that PBA, you get to this, this idea of, wait, what about if we form these independent leagues that are completely separate from minor league baseball and we all go out and find our own players and we pay our own players and we compete to see who can win a title. And the Frontier League and the Northern League, which the Northern League has turned into effectively the American Association now, mm-hmm. they went out in 93 and did that. And especially the Northern League, St. Paul, Minnesota, mm-hmm. demonstrated the viability of this. But that also got minor league baseball really upset because this was not part of minor league baseball. And then you have the Atlantic League come along in the, you know, 1999 effectively, you know, like right at the turn of the, the end of the 21st century. And major league baseball got, not major league, minor league baseball became more upset. And the reason was, is that they viewed these as these leagues that came into territories that they viewed as their territories that was under not under their control at all. And there was a lot of, this is, you know, there was a lot of kind of looking down their noses in some ways. This is not at our level of minor league baseball. 
the National Association rebranded itself as minor league baseball before it had been kind of known as National Association or organized baseball, but they wanted indie ball to not be considered the same, so they rebranded themselves as minor league baseball to separate themselves from the indie leagues. You had a lot of this <laughs> back and forth going on. And I would say more so, not always, but more so from minor league baseball being frustrated and upset with independent baseball than vice versa. Minor league, I still have, you know, minor league people who come to me and say, the reason for this friction is that minor league, you know, these independent teams came into markets that we already were in around the country. Well, and I always point back out that and the exact same thing has happened the other way, too. You know, both of these sides have gone into markets that the other side considers their markets. It goes back and forth. Mm -hmm. But the significance of this now is independent baseball has gotten this stamp of approval from Major League Baseball. And to be honest, Major League Baseball's never had the same problem with independent baseball that minor league baseball's had. You talked about the Atlantic League experimentation is something that was very significant that Major League Baseball was willing to do so, and was really a, one of the first strong signs that, of what was coming in 2020, potentially. Mm -hmm. But on top of that, you have now these leagues that absolutely have the stamp of, we are partners of Major League Baseball. And if you are talking about a casual fan in pick whatever market you want in any of these leagues, there is something important and significant about that where they're trying to explain to you, well, what's the dip, you know, what are these leagues like? They are a partner of Major League Baseball. I think that does carry something. And But I, to me, the significance overall of independent baseball always been viewed as kind of the mavericks who've been kind of kept at an arm's length from all this, now being welcomed into the fold is very significant. It really is, and we're talking with J.J. Cooper, executive uh, executive editor, excuse me, of Baseball America, having worked in in what was, I guess, you know, now uh, formerly known as independent baseball for as long as I have. Um, you, you certainly have that. There is that friction between you know independent leagues now partner leagues and, and minor league baseball, and you see it whether it be from a player standpoint, even from you know a front office standpoint. I can remember going to winter meetings looking for jobs, the job fair being run by minor league baseball. And as soon as you mention that you have independent experience, they almost kind of scoff at you, even though it's, you know, that's just kind of how it how it has been. But the, the stamp of approval certainly changes that dynamic. We're talking about one baseball here. And, J.J., part of the, the article that you had in Baseball America kind of teased or, you know, discussed that this, this isn't going to – this grand vision maybe doesn't stop at professional baseball, but it gets into the collegiate, to the little leagues, and potentially even into softball as well in the United States, USA baseball yes. and all of that stuff that's going on in Cary. What kind of information could you, can you give on that? What have you heard about how the amateur ranks maybe play into this idea of one baseball? So, and again, a lot of this is, I would say uncertain, mm -hmm. but it's a lot of reading of tea leaves. It's a lot of, Everything I have on this is uh, it's it's basically you know it's to use bad analogies it's like trying to draw an elephant you know but you're blindfolded and you're <laughs> just touching different parts of it and trying to put it all together. I, I can't say that I have all of this put together because the people I'm talking to all who are willing to talk about it all have a little fragments. You're trying to mm -hmm. piece those fragments together, but we already see right now 
that Major League Baseball has ties to some amateur levels. Major League Baseball has supported um, financially summer collegiate with bat leagues. Major League Baseball has worked in recent years to remove friction points between Major League Baseball and NCAA, especially NCAA Division I baseball. NCAA coaches have long decried they hate having the MLB draft take place during the NCAA Division I postseason. They hate that. There have been times that players have been on the field when they get drafted. This is the most important part of their season, and there's this what they view as this big distraction going on. Well, Major League Baseball heard them and has moved the draft to July, which means no more worry about that for NCAA coaches. I would not be surprised at all if we see further closer ties between NCAA baseball and MLB. At the lower levels, MLB has already worked at doing some sort of exp- some expansion of how it helps provide resources for elite level players to develop the prospect development pipeline and 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 things like that, giving those players opportunities to be trained at top facilities by top you know instructors things like that. I think that there may be more of that. I think a lot of this may end up being from the business side where MLB. This is already something that's happened with the partner leagues, but it's going to happen with minor league baseball also. It's going to, you know, but it maybe extends beyond that, where major league baseball goes out and sells to advertisers and all exposure, not just at the 30 major league cities and stadiums, but at 100 or 200 professional markets. Yeah. Maybe you throw summer college leagues on top of that. Maybe you throw that all the way down to, you know, to youth leagues and all, where they're saying, we're going to have you all around the country, and then they're going to then divide up and give a share of that revenue to all these different leagues and, and all, that, all these levels. That's where the business side of this could be very big for, you know, for, for a variety of, of, of leagues, operators, all that. A lot of that's still to become, though. Like, it's, it's – it's one of those uh, puzzles that, you know, there's a thousand pieces to it, and, and it feels like that we're, you know, we don't have the edges of the puzzle, right. you know, even <laughs> fully put together yet. That's going to happen over the, if it does happen, it's going to happen over the next several years, not over the next several weeks. The, the business side of it is what is most intriguing for, for me because, again, like you mentioned, it has the capability to be very big and very beneficial for leagues, for team operators, and, and for things like that. And I think a lot of people, you know, let me ask you a little bit of a sidebar on this. Where have you seen, because the announcements last week about the professional partner leagues, depending on mm-hmm. where you looked in social media, there are always going to be detractors. There's there's no, no denying mm-hmm. that. But it seems as though, especially after this year and describe the 2020 Major League Baseball season and the negotiations between MLB and the Players Association as you wish – but it seems as though the screams and the cries of those who would rather not have Rob Manfred as commissioner of Major League Baseball have gotten louder and louder. Where have you seen the kind of perception of Manfred evolve over the last couple of years, whether it be from players, from coaches, from fans, whatever it might be, and how this and the potential for one baseball could impact that? Rob Manfred 
is not winning a whole lot of popularity contests, you know, over the last year or two, um, just in general. I, I think a lot of that, and by the way, I will say right now, we're not to 2021 yet. In 2021, there is going to be a likely difficult negotiation between Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association. Mm -hmm. And that's probably not going to be easy <laughs> for either side. Yeah. And the reality of it is, is that one of the things that we have seen shift over the past, I would say, 30 to 40 years is it was always probably a misnomer for fans to think that the MLB commissioner who is hired or fired by MLB owners is this neutral arbiter, much like an umpire, who's just working to guide for the, you know, for the best of the game. Mm -hmm. But that's how people often viewed it, you know. And again, that, that view remained even after Commissioner Peter Uberoff was basically proven to have led in many ways, efforts to collude against MLB players. And MLB owners had to pay significant financial penalties to the players because they had essentially artificially uh, damaged the free agent market. Even after that, when you talk about Bart Giamatti and all, there was this view that, that the commissioner's, commissioner was someone who acted simply in the best interest of the game. He was above the fray between owners and players and between all these other items. That doesn't exist anymore. You know, the reality of it is, is that we are now in a time, and it's probably, to be honest, more accurate that way, of, of there being an understanding that the ML Major League Baseball commissioner, his job, I say his because for so far it's, you know, it's always been men, but his job is to serve the interest, as the commissioner perceives it, of MLB owners. And one of the things that happens with that is that when you have contentious negotiations, as there have been this year, as far as how many games they're going to play during a coronavirus-affected season and all that, the commissioner of baseball is someone who draws fire. And it seems like now that maybe that's partly by design, they would rather the the the, the well compensated commissioner take those those slings and arrows mm -hmm. than the MLB owners, and so that's been going on in the background. Also, MLB is doing something here with minor league baseball that is not popular. Mm -hmm. It's the way it's going to be, but no matter how you spin it. If you're Major League Baseball, if you say we're going to go from 160 minor league, affiliated minor league teams to 120, that is something that is going to be perceived by a lot of baseball fans as being something that they oppose. And so, again, you throw all these things together. You go, you, you throw a commissioner who basically was seen at times during these negotiations as far as the MLB 2020 season as wanting to play less baseball, not more. You saw the, you know, the commissioner is the head of a group that was seen as trying to re reduce the number of affiliated minor league teams. And let's make something clear. 
I've seen it a thousand times. You know, people ask me questions about this. This is a very hard issue for the average fan to fully understand. In a lot of fans' minds, they see this as MLB is literally coming in and ripping baseball out of 40, 42, 43 cities, and there's not going to be anything left there, which is not going to be the case. Mm -hmm. There are also people who perceive this as they think that Major League Baseball is literally taking over and running these minor league teams. They don't understand that that's not what we're talking about here. So it's a complex issue, but there's a lot of this where Rob Manfred is seen by a lot of very diehard baseball fans as being the bad guy. And because of that, there becomes this kind of a momentum that builds that when MLB and Manfred propose something, there's going to be a pretty strong pushback almost immediately because there's not that level of consistent trust among a lot of baseball fans who say, no, 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 if MLB is doing it, therefore it must be it's it's likely right. There's an immediate skepticism that a lot of fans, I would say, have at this point. Mm-hmm. He's J.J. Cooper, executive editor of Baseball America. Uh, J.J., last thing I want to ask you here about one baseball, and again, without knowing all the details, the analogy I think you painted was, was perfect. Uh, it's like trying to paint an elephant while blindfolded. Um, if one baseball gets – if this whole vision comes true or as the, more details come out – the one thing that I've always been concerned, this is me as a baseball diehard, as someone who has mm-hmm. played, coached, worked in this industry for his entire life. Is this something that is beneficial to the future of the game of baseball in the United States? That's a tough question for me to answer, partly because, you know, it, it involves and a fair question. It involves a lot of speculation because, again, we don't know how exactly – there are we're we're standing. I, I'm, I've become an analogy person lately. I don't know why, but <laughs> we're standing at the start of a road trip, and there's a lot of different routes that that this that baseball could take over the next five years. And with all of these things, there are pitfalls that no one may know right now. There are, you know, there, there are advantages that may develop from this that no one knows. Now, okay, I'm gonna, so I'm going to lay out two possibilities with that. Mm-hmm. Possibility one, let's, this is the optimistic viewpoint of what this means. The optimistic viewpoint of what this means is that, yes, there absolutely are going to be less affiliated minor league teams. However, MLB is going to utterly live up to their promise and where what these cities that used to have affiliated baseball are going to have high-level baseball in a sustainable format. Some cases that'll be professional partner league teams. In some cases, it will be summer with back collegiate teams. But all of these cities that have affiliated baseball right now are going to continue to have baseball that draws fans. And I will say with that, as someone, again, who loves indie ball, who also has seen Operators of Summerwood Bat Leagues do a really good job in many markets. Just because you go from being the short season, the rookie, or even the low-A farm team of a major league team to someone that doesn't have that direct affiliation to major league baseball doesn't mean you can't have good baseball, baseball that fans could come out to enjoy, and baseball that makes future baseball fans. MLB, logically, throughout all of this, 
should be looking at ways to make sure they want people going to baseball games. They want people, they want kids playing baseball. And by the way, I will say in MLB's favor on this, the numbers show participation in baseball and softball at the youth level has increased in recent years, which is something that MLB should be rightfully proud about because that's something that they've talked about is important to them. We didn't get into the softball side of this, but I expect that what we're going to see with this is a bigger push from Major League Baseball on baseball for, for especially on the youth level for boys growing up, baseball opportunities for girls growing up, and softball opportunities also being there and you know being funded, pushed by Major League Baseball. The idea being, I think it's a wise idea to have. If you have, if you grow up playing a stick and ball sport, whether it's baseball or softball, you are much more likely to be a baseball fan. And that's something that Major League Baseball absolutely wants to do. So in one path, you could have this being that this, with Major League Baseball at the top, Major League Baseball is able to provide additional funding that gets filtered down through all these different levels. Participation in youth stick and ball sports increases which builds more baseball fans for the future. Major League Baseball tying in with minor league baseball and professional partner leagues means that those levels become more um, marketed around the country. And so you're seeing more about young players on their way up than you do now. All these things potentially happening. Okay, so you have that. That's one possibility. The other is, is that this becomes very much uh, kind of the business component and it doesn't work as well on the practical side. Like, let's say that we go to 2023, 2024, and you find that in a lot of these cities where they had affiliated baseball, these new alternatives haven't really latched on. You know, you have cities where it's like, you know what, we were interested. You could draw fans for, a, you know, for a major league affiliate, but we're not interested in summer with that. We're not interested in at the same level in professional partner leagues or whatever. Or these systems are set up in ways that aren't economically long-term viable. Now, again, I think that would be against the what you know what I would say would be the logical approach for Major League Baseball. But it is possible that these things could happen. Mm -hmm. And if that happens, if at the youth level this doesn't really lead to you know increases in participation at the youth level, well. You could have people, you could have people in a lot of markets who are turned off by Major League Baseball, who are angry that they feel like that Major League Baseball took away something that, that was theirs. And so you turn off a level of baseball fan. And so that this ends up being, there's almost a backlash against Major League Baseball in this. And especially, let's again circle it back. Let's say that this all happens basically right as a precursor to there has not been a labor strike or lockout at the MLB level in effectively now a generation. Mm -hmm. You know, we were, we're go back to, to, to the 90s. Right. There hasn't been one since then. But if there is after the 21 season and or at the end of the 21 season or in 22, if that happens and this is all going on, well, then those could potentially intertwine as well, and there could really be a backlash against Major League Baseball and baseball. Because one thing I can confidently say, having lived through 
the 80s and 90s as a baseball fan, mm-hmm. there are if you have a lockout or a strike at the major league level, especially one that goes on for more than a couple of days, you have baseball fans who a pox on both your houses and off we go, and they never return. I have friends who were big baseball fans until the wild, the World Series was canceled. And once that happened in 94, they were done. They were out, and they've never come back. And so there are, there are significantly different paths that this could turn out. And, again, a lot of this is things that we just don't know yet what's going to happen. But it could be really good for everything, or it could be really bad. And I'm not smart enough to say I know, you know, it's probably going to be somewhere in between, but I'm not smart enough to say I know whether what way it's going to happen, what's going to happen over the next five years. I said on a show at the start of this year, I believe it was talking talking about the, the Houston Astros and how we had never seen an offseason like that uh, when it came to, to how one team happened. But I, I think it's safe to say that this coming offseason, this coming winter, will be something unlike any of us have ever seen who have been associated with the sport of baseball. It's J.J. Cooper, executive editor of Baseball America. You can follow him on Twitter at jjcoop 36 uh, the article was amazing. I, I love reading it. I still have it sitting on my desk to go back and read more and more because this is such an intriguing thing for the future of a game that I so dearly love. And we appreciate your reporting on it, and we appreciate you spending a few minutes with us. Sounds good. Thank you for the time. Right, it's J.J. Cooper of Baseball America. Again, find him on Twitter at jjcoop 36 Great reporter, really good insight. Again, we don't have all the details on this stuff, but it's interesting to hear the two different roads the sport of baseball could go, and the sport of softball really could even go in the United States as the vision of one baseball becomes clearer and clearer. We'll see how it all pans out. Um, I'm interested to see it too because, again, as you guys know from listening, this is a sport that I love so much, and I really hope that the future of it is at the the heart of all these things, Um, and and the future is, is what people are talking about and caring about. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Just search Caught Listening by Public House Media. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, share us with your friends and family. You can find me on Twitter as well, at Chris Heimel, C-H-R-I-S-H-E-I-M-A-L-L. Until next week, you have been Caught Listening. News, laws, and regulations are changing by the day. We get it. And at ADP, we're here to help guide you with up-to-the-minute compliance expertise so you can pay your people accurately and on time, regardless of what each new day may bring. Learn more at ADP.com. A payroll and HR company needs to be prepared for whatever is going to happen. You could say that over 70 years of experience helping businesses all over the world run smoothly is good preparation. But for ADP, that's not enough. To make sure millions of people are getting paid on time and in compliance, we're staying on top of each new piece of legislation. So when it comes down to it, ADP isn't just a payroll and HR company. We're the company that helps you navigate the complexities. ADP, HR talent, time, benefits, and payroll. Informed by data and designed for people.